Hello, Gasheads, and welcome to this week's episode of Gascast. I'm your host, Max Alderson, joined this week by Harley Thorne. Hi, Harley. Of the gas. And this week, we're also joined by Jack Newcomb. Very lads. This episode is sponsored by Kahuna Flooring. Kahuna Flooring can supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or your workplace. They come to you with a sample selection service and offer deals on supplied and fitted carpets, vinyls and LVT, such as Candine and Amtico, engineered wood and more. Get in touch with Steve today on 07917-667-777 and mention GasCast to receive 10% off on all orders. Um, before we start this episode, all of us here at GasCast would just like to extend our best wishes um, and sincere thoughts to Ben Garner and his family. Um, we hope to see him back on the touchline in the very near future. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be our starting point for this week. Uh, what does this mean for Rovers then? Uh, ben Garner's been granted extended leave. Uh, Kevin Mayer's been put in charge for the time being. Um, talk on forums and on Facebook of bringing in an interim manager. What are your guys' thoughts? Let's start with you, Jack. Um, I mean, obviously, we don't know how long Ghana's going to be away for. I mean, that that's going to be the the main issue. Um, and and like you alluded to earlier, we just obviously send him his best, and however long he needs, he needs. I mean, that that comes first and foremost. Um, but yeah, Ke- Kevin Mayer is going to just have to um, fill in, do his best. This talk about interim manager, I haven't seen any talk about this, but. I would say that that would be probably a bit excessive unless we do find out news that Ghana is going to be gone for months as opposed to weeks. Um, but yeah, obviously we've had a massive downturn in form and I, th- I think that's mainly like fatigued players. So we've just got to keep on battling Mayhem or Ghana, whoever will be in charge, hasn't really got many options at their disposal really. And you, Harley? I think you don't just appoint the manager, right? You appoint the management team and Mayer is a part of that. So if the manager's not available, then he's second in command and that's you've got to have faith in that. I don't think you can be bringing in an interim manager. I think that talk is pretty nonsensical. I know, I know what you're referring to, though, because I've seen someone say about Warnock, yeah. um, which is, yeah. frankly, I mean, no offence if you're one of those people that said it, but it's just not going to happen. And... I mean, this is Ghana's project now. How you, we'll talk about it in further detail, but this is his project. Mayhurst his man. Um, we have to stick with that, and and hopefully it works. I mean, now you've mentioned Warnock, I'm, I'm thinking about him in, in the dugout. I've been watching a lot of Warnock videos recently, the one after the Chelsea game where he just had his head in his hands next to the referee. And then there's that one with Pep Guardiola as well, oh, isn't yeah. there? You've got to so, die yeah. for three points. <laughs> yeah. So good. So if, I've, if I've nobody's watched mind, that, then get on it. Yeah, get Warnock in. Yeah. I think the suggestion was that obviously Garner war- worked under Warnock um, and Warnock was saying he wants one last job, although he's said that for the last four jobs he's mm. had. Um, but yeah, it's just not going to happen. Like like you said, Har, it's, um, it's far too expensive an option when we've got a very capable, um, experienced number two in mm. Kevin Mayer, who, who's a very knowledgeable pro who will just keep the ship steady, we hope. Um, uh, and yeah, fingers crossed we can sort of turn or this form around. the ship in general. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Um, so with Ben Garner not being there, how much of an effect do we think this is going to have on the players, Jack? I mean, it's, it's going to have a effect um but i mean garner himself hasn't been able to change much i mean our, our run of games has meant that we're, we're literally just playing a game resting 
and, and getting back on that pitch. So, I mean, May is going to know what Garner's instructed the players anyway. We haven't changed it, like I said, much from the Coughlin days. So we just got to, I would say, keep on doing what we're doing. But obviously we're playing shit at the moment. So hopefully we can pick it up. But there's there's not a lot more he, he can do, really. I mean, Mayer seems like a, a sensible coach and like he's he's been around long enough to understand the game. So, yeah, he's just got to keep going, really. I think we can all see this season has fizzled out quite dramatically. Um, so, yeah, just, just, just keep going, just kind of get over the line. And, yeah, there's not much more we can do, really. I mean, I think for me, it's still it's still a better thing that he's been appointed and is now on leave than not been appointed at all because he can still kind of pull the strings on the transfers and, um, you know, guide like his philosophy can start to be instilled on the players because um, obviously Mayer's going to be in contact with him. Like he's not just going to be completely off the grid. Yeah, he's, he's already said that. Yeah, he's been speaking to Garner. Yeah, so I, I, it's still a better thing that he is the manager, you know, because we can start to kind of build towards what he's what he's after. And also, he said that he was watching all the games before he was even our manager. I mean. I don't know why he was doing that. Yeah, I mean that was quite quite <laughs> no, impressive. I don't know whether he he, he got, went back uh, and watched them. He once he got oh he done it he was interested in the job. He, he went back and put the hours in to watch all the oh, games. Oh, he should get a life, shouldn't he? Like a Netflix, <laughs> like a Netflix binge. Like when you first discover Breaking Bad, and it's yeah. just like every single night yeah, getting like, like, just right, about, right, right, and chill. About to go to bed, it's like oh no, I've got to watch the Doncaster Way performance. I'm absolutely hooked to, to see what happens next. Yeah. Oh no, they've gone and cocked it up. <laughs> left it left it on a cliffhanger last what do you night? think of last night's one? Oh, no it wasn't good they got battered by Doncaster again <laughs> uh, never mind eh um, so Harley the, the performance at Coventry Coventry obviously suggests that maybe they weren't fired up from the news that Ben Garner had to take extended leave and they weren't almost like let's get a result for Ben and, and you know show him that there is still team spirit here it was very much a flat performance and mm. again no change um, staying on Garner how do we think the performances in general have differed from Coughlin, Harley? Because it's the same lineup mostly. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's a really hard one to answer because I, I had the same struggle to answer how we were doing so well before. Um, under Graham, I think maybe we were a bit more rugged, but our play wasn't nice. We we were dominated for by most teams, yet we came away with the points. And now I think exactly the same thing is happening and we're not coming away with the points. That's the only difference. The stats. Have you got some stats for me, Max? Yeah, I've got some good stats. I need some. Okay, so um, stats since Ben Garner's come in. This excludes the Stevenage game because there was no data on the BBC Sport website and I couldn't be bothered to dig for it uh, (laughs) any further on random forums. So um, six games played under Garner. uh, That's in the league and the FA Cup. 45 shots taken, 12 on target three goals scored in those six games. So that's an average of taking 7.5 shots a game, an average of two shots on target a game, and an average of 0.5 goals a game for us. And conversely, the shots faced in those six games, we faced 102 shots, 39 on target, and conceded 12. So every game uh, from Ghana's six, we're averaging 17 shots faced, 6.5 on target and conceding an average of two goals a game. So we're being battered, basically. Yeah, but like you said, this is the interesting thing. Um, at no point when we were up that high in the table did I ever think we belonged there. And I kept saying to Mets in, in many an episode, 
um, we're not going to go up and we're not going to go down. And I just got pelters, rightly so, because we were mm. in the playoffs and the season wasn't dead. But you just never got the sense that that we were anywhere near as good as the teams around us, yeah. Jack. You got pelters for that. I mean, I, I, I was in the, the the same mindset, to be honest. I think everyone who would go to most games saw that we weren't playing particularly well. And like you said, Harley, we were somehow winning. We were playing badly, somehow winning. And it was likely to drop off. Um, I, I hazard a guess that if Coughlin was still here, our form probably wouldn't be much better. But potentially it would be. Because, I mean, Coughlin, as a coach, one of his main strengths was just grinding out results mm. somehow. Um, so maybe it, it would be better. There's just no explanation for it, though. Well, There's just no explanation to how he was getting it. Since Coughlin's left, um, there have been a few injuries. Yakala, obviously, the, the big, big one. Abu Agogo as well. Um, Mark Little, Ollie Clark hasn't I, been seen I, I, since then. I think then. Abs is a really big miss. I mean, one of the the main things I've noticed, probably yeah, more, more so the last few games, is just how easily we're getting bypassed through the midfield. It's it's a joke to be honest. Um, well, without Ollie Clark and Agogo yeah, there, that's... Ollie Clark's got legs, but Agogo is one of those midfielders where he's kind of like worth two players just the amount of um, distance he covers and the amount of last ditch challenges and just breaks up the play um, but I, I, I think part of the problem is fatigue I know people hate that excuse so mm. it is but um, with the injuries and the amount of games players have had to play I think it's a, a genuine excuse to, to it's a reason to bring out mm. yeah it's a reason yeah yeah um there's been a midweek game every week since Garner was appointed um, just before Christmas. Was it? Yeah, it was just before Christmas, wasn't it? He was appointed, I think, Christmas Eve or the day before. Mm-hmm. Since that Boxing Day fixture, we've had a game every midweek. Um, so like Garner said in the past, he's not even been able to have a training session with them because it's just recovery and then preparation for, for, the, for the next game and then travelling up. So it's been very difficult. And given the fact that we have got such a thin squad and an injury hit squad, I don't think it's any coincidence and I think it's an easy, it's almost really bad timing that Garner's come in now because all these things have now gone against us. The fixture congestion, the injury list, having a thin squad, our luck running out all at once at the same moment that Garner's come in that it looks on paper like it's all Garner's fault. He has a seriously tough job. He had a seriously tough job accepting it. And and if you're a bit thick, you, you look at all of that and you think, oh, Garner out. If Garner's come in and we've had a massive downturn in form, let, let's get rid of him. Which I, wouldn't say, is, I wouldn't say thick. I'd just say on f- surface value, I'd, that's how it looks. Yeah, I, I would say thick. Please, I mean, please reconsider. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I can understand, but to judge a manager that quickly, um, when I think most people saw that the writing was on the wall and add, that, add in the injury problems and the fatigue... Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to have to give it to the rest of the season, at least. Do you think that... people are tired of hearing the fatigue excuse? I'm oh, fatigued with the fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, the main gripe I have is is the fact that I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he's such a XG nerd and all these stats and all that. But I am um, thinking that <laughs> right now. But the, um, the amount of goals we scored this season, our, our goal difference is 17 better than it should be by the law of averages. So we are scoring more and conceding less um, than we should. And that is mainly down to two players, maybe three players. One's obviously Johnson Clark Harris. The goals he score 
scores most of them are half chances aren't they and mm. they're quite often the only chances we half create during the game other than his goals I mean I, I think back to like that Rotherham game and the MK Dons game both at home where we won 1-0 I, I was thinking because I was thinking during those games a draw would be fair we've not done anything other than those goals mm. and similarly there's other games like Plymouth away where we've been absolutely dicked for 90 minutes but somehow not conceded three goals because Yakola mm. has made some unbelievable and I, I don't use this term lightly world-class saves mm. uh, and now Yakola's injured and Johnson's looking a bit disinterested or maybe frustrated it's it's almost like well now we are seeing what it should be what the this true team should results be. Yeah. yeah it's just starting to level out now isn't it because mm. i think most people could recognize at the start of the season we are a mid-table team i mean that that's what at it best. is and, and, and we were just in that that false position and yeah i think it's just a case of the the table leveling leveling itself out a bit and yeah adding in all those injury problems it's just um yeah making it a lot worse really yeah Harley, oh, you sort of answered this because we've talked about the statistics and um, maybe not being convinced, but has this collapse in form surprised you? No, no, it hasn't. Um, I think, I just think it was ridiculous how well we were doing before with little little reason, really. I mean, Graham was certainly getting the best out of the team, but in performances, I don't remember seeing us anything but battered by the opposition. And so... You know, we're returning to normality now. Um, the the squad needs a massive overhaul, and I think we're going to get that sooner rather than later. Yeah. So the the recent form, the bad losses, um, are there any sort of players that you think need singling out? Or do you sort of say maybe we should just give them the benefit of the doubt that they have played a lot of games, given that there's been very little rotation the at all? The fatigue, I think, is, is, is a genuinely reasonable reason for the issues. Um you can tell that they're all really struggling at the moment. Um, I think the form of Johnson in particular is what I would sing- single out. It's not necessarily his fault, but I think he's the one that's dipped the most since Graham's gone because I think they had this bizarre relationship that Graham knew how to get the best yeah, out Yeah, I, lo- I love the Mets analogy. You don't know whether they're going to fight or fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so true. Which you is, know, yeah, yeah, you can just imagine them like screaming in each other's faces in the dressing yeah. room, right? With no no actual content being said, just like yelling at each other. And I think... Um, <laughs> War cry. And I can't see anyone else getting that out of Johnson. I, really. I, I think a good example of that is the, the Doncaster game when um, he got a, a fair bit of space and he could have slipped in Leahy, mm. who was in a great and position, it, but he like smashed it. it from like 35 yards. Yeah. And it's like, if, if Coughlin was still in charge, he yeah. would give him an absolute bollocking mm. and, and you'd think he, he wouldn't do it again. But yeah, I, I think he's kind of playing with a bit too much freedom now. He's, he's not doing the, the basics as much. Yeah. It was January as well, so he's going to want to score a 35-yard goal and get the attention of a few championship clubs. Mm. So Yeah, well, we've also got to that dangerous point where you've got that star man that you want to keep and you want to keep happy. So you basically just say to him, go out and do whatever the hell you want because you're quality. Yeah. And now he's just going crazy, really, and just lumping it yeah. towards the Blackthorn end every single time and normally hitting Rose Ed. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it is like... Really big ball stuff or just um frustration mm. perhaps well, he has um, very little created for him mm, i mean i mean that's a really fair comment um mm. yeah i mean because i kind of digged out the midfield for getting bypassed quite a bit but seemingly they're not getting up and 
supporting strikers. So I think fitness I don't, is affecting I, him as well. Yeah, I don't want to say that F word again. I've said it so well, many times. It's, it's also, again, injuries. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Ollie Clark is out. Go-go excuses, is out. excuses, so excuses. It's a midfield three of Ed Upson, Liam Serkham and Cam Hargreaves. And Cam Hargreaves, for all his effort, and I can't fault him, and you know you have to sort of applaud him for the way he's come into the first team and been thrown in the deep end. Um, he's, he just doesn't look ready. Um, he's just like not, an excitable child, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, he gets around the pitch, but um, especially the Doncaster game, I, d- I don't know how much he affects. His ball retention wasn't great. His passing wasn't great. Um, he showed a lot of energy, but was often people just passed and triangles around him. And that's the danger of throwing an energetic kid in at this level without any real ball playing ability. I mean, it's, it's such a difficult time for a lad like him to come into yeah. the side, um, given the fixtures we've got and the difficulty of those fixtures. And, and the intensity of it and um, obviously the atmosphere in the squad and, in, and at the club. Um, Circum as well, he's not really known for being a tough tackler. So Ed Upson's having to cover a lot of ground mm. and is subsequently now out of position, which is why the midfield's getting bypassed so much. But similarly, in, in attack, we just can't keep the ball. So it's, yeah, it's no real surprise. Um, I, I'm really surprised that we haven't brought in a centre mid this uh, this window so far because um, in- interestingly um, after the Doncaster game Upson said that um, Garner had instructed them to to do the high press and I mean like we were nowhere near Doncaster in the first half of that game mm. like we couldn't get within two yards of them and I mean I I think that the high press is a really good tactic if it, if it works but like we said, with all the, I'm going to say it, the fatigue, it's such a difficult one to deploy. And they we we just couldn't do it. But I don't know whether a, a Coughlin would have been like, yeah, sod that. Like, that's not yeah, going to happen. Let's just go find <laughs> the back. <and laughs> let's just, just <laughs> lump it up to JCH and, and try and nick it. Yeah. Um, the defence lately has been pretty poor. Uh, eight goals conceded in the last three games. What's changed at the back to sort of, why are we now suddenly less solid and more pushovers, Harley? I mean, I'd, it's a really hard one. They were so solid before. I think Manesa, every time I watch him, I think Manesa's actually got a lot of promise. I think he's really powerful. I'm always surprised by how effectively he brings the ball out. And he just he's quite, quite pacey, actually. But something just isn't working. I think, to be honest, it's just that we're so dominated that they're always going to break yeah. through at some point, right? I mean, I'm thinking Doncaster. That number, I think it was number 10, was getting forward and crossing it in time and time and time again. And frankly, we were amazing to not go in and uh, having conceded like two or three, let alone none. Um, it's just, I think it's just the the lack of quality anywhere other than defence that's causing us to be yeah. completely bullied constantly. And you're always going to concede goals if you get that much. But like you said before, before we had a world-class goalkeeper or a goalkeeper making world-class saves. Let's be realistic here. Yeah. Um, and now we haven't got that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think Yancey's, uh, sorry, Jordi van Stapershoff's done okay. He hasn't been bad, but, you know, having a keeper like that behind you gives you a lot more confidence as a centre-back that... Um, and the communication in general. I, yeah. I, I don't, don't know obviously, you don't, like. no one focuses on that really when they're watching the gas, you can't, do they? You can't hear what they're saying no. quite often. But so. they definitely, you know, organisation from a goalkeeper is a massive thing. Um, mm. I'm sure that anyone would tell you that. And they that defence and that keeper had a serious understanding. And now that's obviously going to take some time to rebuild. Yeah. Jack, what do you think about 
um, the fatigue levels, uh, that's our favourite buzzword mm. for today, um, of Leahy and Rodman, who um, Leahy has pretty much played every minute of this season, bar maybe one or two games where Kelly's dropped in. Yeah, um, Rodman has been playing constantly because obviously uh, Little and Hare are both out. Um, they both look quite tired. Mm. Do you think that's had an effect on maybe how many times the wingers are getting in behind us now and getting more crosses in? And does that maybe affect the centre-backs? Massively. I, th- I think if you um, look at the highlights of our recent games, a lot of the goals have come from the, the wing positions. I know Robman's got caught out a fair few times. And I mean, to be fair to him, he's filling in at right wing back. That's not his position. And he's more of an attacking player. So you can't really criticise him too much for the defensive side of the game. But yeah, he's, he's let, let his runner go quite a few times. So it's probably defensive naivety, that fatigue word again. And then you saw it against Coventry. Lee, he was the same as well. That, that winger got past him so easy. Mm. And it looked like he he tried to keep up with him, but he just didn't have the legs to do it. Do you think he was uh, fatigued at all? Maybe. I, I probably wouldn't use that word. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's definitely tired. And then, yeah, obviously in a wing-back position, you're having to do that much more work because you're having to bomb up, get back as well. Um, so to be in that position and, and play pretty much every game, it's really tough. Yeah. Harley, in the summer we spoke about what we needed to bring in um, and from day one in the transfer window we looked to bring in wing-backs. Leahy came a bit later but Mark Little and Josh Hare came quite early in the window. It looked quite evident from the off that that's the way we wanted to play. Five at the back, um, robust in the middle and then rely on Johnson for goals. Was it always a case that we only have a plan A and we, you know, we're starting to see that maybe we can't adapt to maybe play a different way because we don't have the players? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think with our financial struggles or certainly situation, we, we you know we're never going to be blessed with more than two first first team right backs. That's pretty unrealistic. I think. Um, unfortunately, we got really unlucky with hair. I think that's the real thing because I'm pretty sure. I think they were aware that little was a risk, so hair was there almost as the understudy, as we said before, and you know he. He was amazing, let's be mm. honest. Um, but we got unlucky with that one. He got unlucky. And here we are. Little is unsurprisingly constantly injured. And I remember when um, when Rodman first came in at right back, I thought, okay, worth a try. Maybe, you know, for a couple of weeks while Little's out, it'll be okay. But for this long, it's just not, it's not a solution. And it needs to change sharpish. And hopefully we can do something in this window. But unfortunately, for that reason, I'd say that Little is proving to be a really poor signing because, yeah. of, because of the fitness. It doesn't matter how good he is if he's not on the pitch and or even on the bench. You know, he's yeah. he's not fit enough, clearly. I mean, even when he has played, I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he definitely hasn't been 100% match fit. But he mm. looks so off the pace. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, if, if the player isn't fit or when they do play, they, they can't play to their best abilities, then it's, it's kind of pointless, isn't it? You need, you need some luck in football as well. I mean, like I said, two right backs, two right back options, that's, that should be enough, really. Mm. Um, and then the other side, you've got Leahy and Kelly, same situation, but Leahy's never been injured, you know, so but he's looking that's tired. worked out fine. You know, yeah. Kelly and Leahy have both been fit the whole time. On the other side, mm. we haven't had that luck. Yeah. And I think even though he's looking tired, I, 
I don't think that's as much of a problem as the fact that Rodman is filling in on the other side and, and therefore Leahy's basically the only outlaw on either side, really. We look like a side who are in danger of relegation or certainly playing like a side who should be near the bottom. Um, how worried are you guys uh, that that's going to become a possibility this season? I mean, we're in relegation form, aren't we? Um, but I mean, what is it, 14 points? Yes. Yeah between us and the the relegation zone. Yep. I mean, it's highly unlikely. Highly, highly unlikely. So knowing Rovers, we'll probably get relegated. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, relegation chat is is extreme, I would say. Um, I think we're going to dip further, to be honest. Like I said earlier, um, pro- probably mid-table. Um, I, th- I think we've still got enough in us. And then when the kind of injury list kind of improves... Let me get Garner back and get on the training ground. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. So, yeah, yeah. nothing to worry about. Harley, are you worried at all? Um, no, I, I don't think. I don't think there's a chance that we can get relegated. To be honest, um, I do think had we not been so brilliant at the start that we would be in trouble um, in terms of our quality. But I think we've done enough already. Really, I mean, I know that I don't want the team saying that. Don't get me wrong. That's a terrible attitude. But I, I think is. It's all, all all right. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's move on to transfers then. Um, ben Garner's obviously on leave, but the recruitment goes on. Um, Tommy Widgington's obviously done a fantastic job with the scouting team to identify some early signings. Um, we'll start with the players who have gone out, first of all, and then we'll go on to the players who have come in. Um, first of all, some news today that Tyler Smith has been sent back to Sheffield United and then immediately loaned to Rochdale. Um, is that a shock to any of us? Um, maybe slightly. I'm, I'm sure Tyler Smith would have wanted to have played more, played more when he was at Rovers. Um, same with Sheffield United, they would have wanted more game time. Um, I would have liked him to stay. I, I think he offered something a bit different, playing on the shoulder. Um, but as we we'll probably talk about in a bit, we've got Gavin Riley back, so they're probably similar-ish sorts of players. So it's probably best that we got our um our man in, in Riley to try something new but yeah I, I liked him so slight surprise but not massively Harley do you think we'll miss his pace um, to be honest I think he's better than Adebayejo um, but I don't think that's saying much I'm, I get that Tyler Smith is a lot more direct than any other striker on our books really I think I think Nichols you know likes to fanny around with on on the edge of the box a little bit but um Tyler actually went for goal and that was refreshing but I still don't think that he was particularly effective yeah um, I think it's just comparing him to a bad bunch and hopefully getting out someone like Nichols and him will have a bit of wage to play with and they've got someone identified who can yeah. influence things more yeah that's the big one the big topic is obviously Tom Nichols uh, since we last recorded last did an episode he's been told he can leave the football club um, massive news um, do we think he will leave this this month it's quite a, a weird thing to do to publicly make the, make everyone aware of this if we don't actually think he can get out well, it was the Bristol Post that broke the story, so uh, maybe it was agent talking. Maybe if the agent, the player wants to move, the agent's made it public knowledge so clubs can know about it, know about the the fact that he's available. 
just send an email for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's probably a case of putting him out of his misery and putting us out of our misery as well. Mutually um, beneficial. Yeah, I think most, it, like the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? So just being upfront about it so everyone knows where they stand, I don't think it's a particularly bad thing. I mean, thanks for trying, Tom. Sorry it didn't work out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's best for both parties to move mm. on. So I'm just glad it's kind of out in the open more than anything it was never going to work out here <laughs> no never. i mean when he came in it looked like a quite an exciting signing did it not that might have been the problem yeah well there was yeah, a big was, fee attached as well yeah it was a it? classic on paper signing for the gas which never mm. materializes whenever we uh, get the checkbook out yeah it very rarely works i think is is it fair to say that in the season he was playing for Peterborough before he joined us, he scored like what, 12, 13, 10, and 11? He, he hasn't even hit that for us in what? Two no, or three he's seasons, got four league goals um, in three seasons. Um, we paid £350,000 for him with add ons, appearance fees, um, and then obviously his wages as well. So I think all in all, I think we've paid close to a million quid mm. for a player who's given us four goals. Some assists, granted, yeah, and some good performances, but overall nowhere near good enough for the money we've paid him and the money we paid for him. What, um, what, a, what the trouble is now is that um, the Rovers Rams bet is null and void. So he's, this he, is the, um, he, sorry, for those who don't know, the, the mm, fudge bet? Yeah, so, so if you haven't seen this, do um, get on the Rovers Rams Twitter, at Rovers Ram. Um, and yeah, he, he bet, what was it, 10... League goals. And if he, Nickel scores 10 league goals, he'll give everyone who retweets it a finger of fudge or a, yeah. or a box of fudge. I think it's a finger of fudge, yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, that's, that's null and void now. He's mm. going to be moving. It won't count if he does go to Cheltenham or, or wherever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, how will you look back on his time at Rovers? Harley? Not well. Flop. Yeah, flop is the I mean, flop is yeah, the I think, yeah, I think you only need one word, really. I mean, I mean, there were bright sparks. Don't get me wrong, but it, it was few and far between. Um, I mean, n- nobody could really criticise his kind of his play. A lot of the time, he, he linked up the play okay, but it was just always in the in the wrong position. His, his best moments would be just over the halfway line, really, and then he'd get a nosebleed and. I think, up. I think his entire time at the club is summed up by that Barnet game when he got that goal and it was absolute scenes and like the whole team ran over to him and like yeah. all of the fans showed this bizarre relief. Like mm. that was the moment that Tom Nichols was mm. going to become the striker that we wanted him to. And then we conceded two goals against <laughs> Barnet for like just out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know. It wasn't Tom Nichols' fault. But. No, but it, it, that's how it summed it up for me, you know, like that moment. That was such a defining moment for him, just got completely blown in about 10 minutes. It was, yeah. you know, he's only scored goals when it hasn't mattered, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did score a goal that proved to be important at Ipswich this season, but um, mm. generally, yeah, few and we immediately get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we immediately got rid of Coughlin, yeah. Um, Dion Moore, do we really want to talk about him? He's not really ever made an appearance for I us. Think, so. I think we'll skip Dion Moore. Okay. Too yeah. much content to... Uh... Yes. Let's talk about the incomings. Exciting. This is what we live for. Transfers. Transfers in. New players. Um, we'll start with the one that came in first, which is Jaden Mitchell Lawson on loan from Derby County. A right winger. Um, bit of pace, bit of width. Is that what we need in this side right now? Yes. Yeah. Double barreled name as well, which is always good. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Pace, bit trickery. 
creativity hopefully um so yeah I'm, again on, on paper that's a, a great sign in mm. happy with that harley yeah i think i mean how can you not be it's kind of a, a case of we need depth we need attacking players and you would take anyone at this point wouldn't you yeah, yeah. but he sounds like he's, he's got a lot of good reviews from um from derby fans and i think um yeah, I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, early days, we've only seen him make one appearance. That was, I think, the Stevenage game, or maybe one or two off the bench. But um, yeah, certainly haven't seen enough of him to pass judgment as of yet. Um, hopefully, it gives us the option to change shape, Jack. Yeah, I, I mean, we need that because, as, as we spoke about, the, the formation is, isn't working. So yeah, just, just that plan B option, just mixing it up when it isn't going right. Um, and yeah, just something a bit different higher up the pitch. Because, yeah, it, it isn't clicking for whatever reason. So might as well chuck him in, see what happens. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on him. Yes. Um, next one, Josh Barrett signing from Reading on a permanent deal. Um, highly rated there. I think a lot of their fans were sad to lose him, but it was just a case of they couldn't give him the game time and he wanted to move to a club that would give him that game time. Um, obviously a difficult time to join our squad, but... Hartley, do you uh, do you like the signing? I liked it on paper, and then I saw him play. It's, <laughs> it's really that brutal. I mean, I I still think that there's a lot of potential in the signing. He's young. He's hungry. You writing him off after one game? No, I think he, I think he's um I think he's going to prove to be the right kind of signing if we can sort out the fact that he's clearly a stone overweight. Yeah, and looks absolutely knackered. Yeah, um, he is carrying some timber. Yeah, he's um. I mean, I've seen the reviews from Reading fans as well. They say good things about him, but he's he's not ready to be playing League One football right now in that fit. The state he's in, he looked miles off it against Doncaster. Miles. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he looked for the Stevenage game. Cause did he play 90 minutes for Stevenage game? Played Couldn't. a lot of it. Yeah, so I mean, mm. so that, was, that was on the Wednesday, wasn't it? Mm. And then... And it's Saturday game, so <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm being pretty brutal here. He's clearly got something, and when he when he was on the ball, he did look all right. But he's going to have to sort that out first before he can be an asset. And you know, we yeah. need people to come in and be pretty immediately, you know, useful. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think you could see the quality when he was on the ball. You could see that he had something a bit different. He had a bit of flair mm. about him, and um, I think it will prove to be a good signing in the long run um, but obviously it's a difficult time to come into the squad and like you say we need impact players for the here and now um, speaking of this isn't really an incoming transfer but it is a returning player Gavin Riley, uh, return of the Scotsman to the club um, and he played which means that he's here for the season we can't loan him out again unless it's to Cheltenham and they've made it clear that they, they don't want him back um, for whatever reason. I think they've signed another striker instead. I never thought about that fact. I thought he had played for us already. That's He hadn't, no. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he, so he up until he played, we had the option to loan him out to another League Two club. But we've obviously consciously made the decision that we want him here for the rest of the season because we've given him that appearance. I've oh my god! <laughs> god I, need some, bombshell on him. I need some time to digest this. I, but but it's, it's, we've essentially only got JCH and Gav Riley now, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can only see it being a uh, swapping him in for Nichols and trying to get the bigger wage off the off the list. Really, mm. that can that yeah. can surely be the only thing that makes any sense. Mm. Well, Riley's quite energetic. He presses well. I think. I, th- I thought he looked good on Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he kind of lifted us. I know that generally the the team started playing a bit better in the second half. Um, but yeah, like I said, he he does offer something 
a bit different get, getting on the shoulder of the defender. Um, obviously, he was, he was extremely hot and cold, mainly cold when he was uh, with us before. Um, but yeah, I, I think something a bit bit different again and working under a new manager, he's, he's probably more of a Ben Garner type player so potentially he could get the best out of him I think he's got he's got something in front of goal something that Nichols never had I mean yeah, he Riley always had that kind of poacher instinct yeah, he can finish yeah I can finish but he doesn't make his own opportunities really at all oh. and uh yeah I just to be honest overall not particularly impressed by him he's he's a classic kind of rovers from up north sign in that just on um, you know you watch a few YouTube videos and he can finish, but he's just yeah we've not done great with Scotsman. Really. I think for all of our strikers we don't create chances for them. We've for years we've relied on strikers pretty much doing it exclusively on their own. Johnson's mm. obviously the most recent example. He just turns and shoots from thirty yards, and sometimes they go in. He muscles his way past defenders and gets a shot away. Less recently, Ellis Harrison was quite similar. He fashioned his own shooting opportunities. Bowden put players on on their asses and and shot. Um, the last example of a, a striker who actually had a lot of chances created for him was Matty Taylor, and that's why he scored so many, because he was a very clinical finisher. I'm not saying that's all he was. He was very good in his all-round play, but since then, we haven't really fed our strikers. Well, it's also in line with where we are in the league. You know, we're we're in League One now, and that's just what we are in League One. You know, we were playing in the conference before and just dominating. Mm, and that's true. We're now in a higher division... And we're just, for some reason, happy with being the team that everyone pegs back. Uh, that means we don't make many chances. So that's why we kind of need a player like Johnson up front, because he's the powerful, make-your-own-chances type. Um, yeah. Why it's so difficult for all the others. Well, I mean, Coughlin set out his store. That's that's how we were mm. going to play. And, well, like I said, it, it, it kind of worked for a while, and, and Johnson was the the talismanic striker that we needed. I mean, he, he, he still is, to be honest, but um, obviously that's mm. it's coincided with a dip in form of the whole team that his form and goals have dried up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what we still need to bring in, Jack, what do you think we still need? Well, I, I mean, if, if we could get it right back in, I mean, um, central midfield is, is weak at the moment, but again, this, this just hinges on how quickly the um, injured players can come back. I mean, I, I don't know much about Agogo. They, they haven't really said much about his injury. Um, Ollie Clark started to feature again. Um, and then, yeah, I think we're going to just need some more creative players up front and probably an, another striker, I would like. Because, yeah, because it seems like Adebayo is going to go because there was reports that he was already yeah. gone, but, but, no, he, but he has gone. featured... Again, recently, um, but yeah, just just something a bit bit different up, up front. We probably would need um, maybe cover uh, in the central defence. But yeah, Davis is mm. back, so we see. But yeah, it all depends on what we can offload. Really, isn't it? It's impossible to to really answer, isn't it? Because of all the unknowns, like the unknowns in terms of the injury crisis and who's coming back. Yeah, there's lots of factors at play, isn't there? And also the who we can get out. And you know, we. I guess I see a lot of them being loans this transfer window, and then in the summer we'll move to more permanent signings. Yeah, but, I mean, because it's always better buying players in the summer, isn't it? Mm. Typically. Um, and I think, yeah, the season is pretty much dead. So, mm. 
yeah, maybe just get some loan covers just in. Just get through, really. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to bring in players permanently as uh, as, a, as a patchwork signing to sort of cover an injury yeah. and then be stuck with them for two and a half years because that's the contract mm. we signed them on when we don't need them for more than six months. Yeah, I think it will be loans. Unless um, it was a player who was truly outstanding and an opportunity we can't really pass on signing, then, yeah, loans would be the way I would go as well. But you have, you have to be so sure about that because otherwise you get Carl Bennett, don't you? Exactly, yeah. exactly. This is, this is why I'm worried. And to a lesser extent, Abu Agogo, I, I like him, but I don't think he's what we need longer term. I think he's what we needed last season mm. um, and this season for the way we play, but longer term. I think it's always good to have an, an Agogo in the squad, but yeah, it, it depends on how we're going to play and obviously Ghana is going to be more possession-based. Um, did, we, did we get to the bottom of how long Carl Bennett's got on his contract? I'm firmly cementing that it is this summer that he leaves. Yeah, but it is I not know. this summer. It is definitely it this is summer. Because I, um, I tried asking in the um, post-match press conference after Doncaster, and um, it, obviously it was Kevin May who came out, so it wasn't the, the best person to ask, but I thought I'd ask it anyway. And then the press officer just came in straight away. He's like, no, we're not going to divulge that information. Because <laughs> so Kevin Mayer doesn't knows. know. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, well, the six that- months, 12 months, 18 months... Yeah, lo- lots of different uh, well, he's talking time about, frames out there. Uh, the Swindon manager was talking about a loan with an option to buy at the end of it. Why would you buy a player who's out of contract? Yeah, well, if he said that, then six months can't be on the table. But yeah, obviously we just need to get rid of him because he's on a high wage yeah. as well, isn't he? We will see. Me and Holly are going to have a wager, aren't we, to see who's right. We are, yeah. <laughs> and I mean... Sporty I'm sure that we'll all agree that hopefully it's six months because <laughs> I, I honestly cannot wait to see him leave. He's the just of money we would have been paying him. He's such a waste of money the entire time. And yes, to summarise, that's why you don't want to sign players on big wages in January. Yeah. Let's move to off the field matters. Some big news last night um, cool. that Ken Masters has been Ooh. banned from the football club uh, and been removed for, as from his position in the supporters club. Um, talk of legal action against the club as well um, Ken Masters and the supporters club obviously feel this is an unfair move from the club um, what's this all about do we know something to do with a text I mean has it been leaking some information apparently but didn't he only get banned from the the west side of the, the stadium so he couldn't go into the box or like the uh, west end uh, so it's basically saying we don't want you being a part of we- the uh well, you yeah. don't, we don't want you hearing what we're saying. We don't like you. You can't hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the the bigger issue is what did he actually do? I mean, I think there's been fair criticism about the sports club for many years for their kind of close ties with the club, but seemingly not putting any pressure on them. And I mean, Ken Masters is the elected director. I mean, he should be communicating with the fans and feedback in any concerns um so i think that's that's the big, biggest issue out of all of this it just puts a spotlight on how little he's seemingly done i mean granted he, he, he may have done stuff he's kind of cited work with the community trust as as something he's been a big part of but i mean i mean that's not really his role but yeah what what's going on i don't know i think it's just peak rovers isn't it kind of all the old boys getting their mm. knickers in a twist about something it is and it's also the worst time for this to happen because i think it's clear that there's this huge divide in the fan base at the moment you've got fans bickering constantly and this is almost 
like an an example of it in that you've got the supporters club it's it's just it's just dated isn't it it's not i mean I there's, feel, there's, there's a lot of good people in the sports club that that mm. give up their time and, and volunteer but yes it's not really an effective mechanism to hold the powers to be to account which is what it should be yeah and that's that's the exact problem is that it's kind of they are all volunteers and like everyone's very thankful to that but it just it needs a bit of a you know it just needs a bit of a refresh doesn't it bit, a lot of people bit, bit of young blood bit uh, a Harvey yeah. Thorne or a Max <laughs> Alderson no I mean but uh, I mean if, obviously if, if Masters does does go or there's going to be an election potentially try and get someone young in or they don't even have to be young someone with a social media presence someone that will actually um, feedback fans concerns to yeah. the club and not get mm. to pally. I mean, yeah, it's, it's clear that it's just not it's not modernised at the moment, is it, really? Yeah. There's different ways to do things. And I think the supporters club is supposed to, I mean, it should represent the fans, but it's always represented the supporters club. And that's, that's a yeah. bit different, you know what I mean? Like, they're, I get why they, they only really listen to their members. I get that. Mm. But it's not really what they should be doing yeah and i think if you were more inclusive you'd naturally end up with people joining up anyway because yeah it it, it doesn't feel inclusive to be honest and i I saw on twitter earlier actually nick day properly dug out ken masters don't know if if you saw that tweet but he called him a charlatan and he and he called bs on the community trust stuff as well a lot that was brian tutton isn't it um what Adam, 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 Adam Tussie, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Adam Sutton's the CEO. I don't know Adam. He's he's done a great job. Yeah. So and he's yeah, the I, CEO. I mean, if you have a CEO, that's the person that the buck stops with, and he should get the credit for the fantastic job he's been doing. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he, um, he may have helped out Kim Masters. I don't know. But l- like I said, that's not really his role. It's, it's it should be quite quite simple that you you do feedback fans' concerns and you hold the powers to be to account. But that's not happening. Mm. certainly yeah um let's end with a bit of uh, a fun question because it's been quite a, a doom and gloom episode a bit of fun okay um so i'm gonna ask each of you um who is your most overrated player for the gas and most underrated in your time watching i'll start with who wants to go first that's a good point i think we is, is anyone prepared it? It? i haven't prepared for it We're, where, where do we start pause <laughs> okay well, we'll be back very shortly once the guys have thought of their answers Put like the countdown theme on. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, I'm generally gonna have to think about that. Okay, we've had a little think. Overrated a long thing. A long thing. Yeah, it's probably about five minutes. Overrated and underrated. Who wants to start? Let's start with um, Jack, your underrated player. I present to you Neil Trotman. Ooh, he didn't play many show. games, but from from what I can remember. Maybe this is rose-tinted glasses because I ran past him once and he, he gave me a cracking smile. But he seemed to win everything in the air. Like, he was just colossus. He was, he was such, a, such a small stint at Rovers, but such such impressive performances when he did play. Yeah, I've got fond memories of him. Why did he stop playing? Did, did he return to his parent club? or he got injured. Okay. So he he injured. seemingly got injured. This was a time that I walked past him. I, this is when I used to go into the West Terrace, Yeah, even as a... Young man, unlike Ken Masters, oh, <laughs> that's too soon. Um, and yeah, he wasn't in the the squad, and I was like, "Oh, Neil, you you injured?" 
He's like, no, I'm not injured. And he started doing this jog. See, I'm not injured. So yeah, for, for, for whatever reason, he wasn't in the squad. What a character. Yeah, what a man. And a, yeah, like you said, a lovely smile. I do remember yeah. him having glistening white teeth. It was like fantastic. Yeah, so not many people smile. spoke about the, the smile really, but yeah, I noticed it. Mm. Okay, Harley, underrated? Underrated. I've got two. First one, Adam Dawson. Ooh, who was shot. one of my favourite players to watch play for Rovers. Um, I thought he was fantastic, really skillful player. Um, great on YouTube as well. Um, but his career has not gone anywhere since, and it's quite mm-hmm. a shame, I think, because I think he had a lot of ability. And I believe the stats that season said he, he made an insane amount of chances for us as well. Yeah, he, he, he was one of those wingers where he, he was tricky, um, but yeah, the end product, I don't know if mm. that was always there. But yeah, I, I, I think he probably was slightly underrated. And then you had like, in that same season, you had Lyle De La Verde as well, didn't you? Mm, um, I would argue, yeah. Who, who, who looked great, but again, consist- <laughs> consi- consi- consistency yeah. wasn't there at all, was it? Yeah, not mm. at all. Harley, you said you had a second underrated? Yeah, that, uh, I've completely forgotten who it was, to be honest Okay, with you. can't have been that underrated. Yeah, scrap it. Um, Dawson's the one. Okay, my underrated is, is Matt Harold. You reckon he was underrated? Yeah. Ah, so, so I I might put them in him, him in the overrated no, category because he was see, he was seemingly a, like our talismanic striker for ages. Yeah, like, and we were crap, and, and he I was, was like, that good. I was like, surely we could do better than this. We but, did. We could do better, but I just thought for three years, those three years in League Two where we were dreadful, he was probably the only striker other than maybe Elliot Richards mm. who gave a damn. Um, yeah. He was injured for a long time as well, wasn't he? He came back and scored on his first touchback from injury yeah, off the bench. It made that final equalizer. game of the season at Torquay like the best experience. Yeah, even fantastic. though it meant nothing. Mm. Matt yeah. Was it three-three draw? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was last-minute yeah. equaliser that meant nothing to us, but. Harold had his moment and it was it was quite special. Yeah. I remember the fans basically demanded he be put on even though he, <laughs> like in the end they ended up I think John Ward put him on in the end just because he just couldn't say no really yeah. could he? fans chatting Harold Harold 3-2 down I think Tom Hitchcock scored a brace maybe I can't remember oh, Tom Hitchcock off the top of my head um, God, we are having a memory <laughs> going down memory lane here aren't we Jeez. Yeah. and then Harold obviously scored with his first touch but yeah I, I just think looking back on those three years I think a lot of people gave him a lot of stick but he scored 18 goals in that first season and probably about seven in the other two. But I think he was the only one who really cared. And he, again, another really nice bloke. Mm. I chat to him. Y- and You argue it well. Yeah, I, ch- I chat with him pre-season. To, didn't he come to Wembley for the um, conference playoff final? I don't know. That's a fantastic yeah, little fact if he did. I, would, I seem to think he he did. Yeah, lovely bloke. I, uh, yeah, I chatted with him in pre-season once and uh, I was trying to ask him about um, his performances and all he wanted to know is where I was going on holiday and what I had planned for the summer so yeah more interested in me than oh, I was wow. interested in him he's just top really did you ask him where he went on holiday I didn't I feel so bad I feel like such a horrible person I didn't where I did just, you go on holiday where did I go yeah uh, was either Menorca or Spain I can't remember oh very nice yeah, um, very nice yeah anyway I mean, I mean Matt Harrell wouldn't want to go to Menorca would he <laughs> probably not with his ginger <laughs> hair <laughs> <laughs> let's go to overrated then Jack I, we we really struggle with overrated. I mean, mm. the cogs were properly turning. Now, my trouble with overrated is that when we have a really good player, like you can you can really see it because most of our players are, are dross. So I think they're lauded for good reasons. Um, so yeah, so I, I struggle to pick out any of the real top players of of our last kind of ten twenty years. 
um, to, to pick out, really. Just pick one, great. Jack. Pick one. Oh, I can't, mate. I can't love them all. I, did, I, I had exactly the same problem, but I ended up settling on saying Ellis Harrison, um, mainly because I just... I honestly just don't get it. I still don't get it. Everyone everyone that's listened to this podcast mm. the whole time will know that I never rated him. I still don't rate him. The only reason I say he was overrated is because someone else paid for him. £750,000. I, I can't <laughs> believe that. I, be I've got one, but this isn't us overrated, uh, overrating mm. yeah, him. Right it's go. a club overrating him. Alfie Santos. Who, oh, yeah. Who, who, that's who, a great who, one. That's who, a brilliant who one. Who somehow got a move to Derby. When, like, he was weak, he yeah. could hardly get a cross in. As proven by the um, fact he's, he's an older shot now. Yeah, he's doing all right, all right, all right, older shot. He's playing centre mid. <laughs> well, he's doing all right, all right. Yeah, he, he became a centre mid after leaving Derby for Yeovil. What, he, he became a centre mid? Yeah, I know. Yeah, he centre, <laughs> plays centre mid now. Unsurprisingly, he didn't do very well at Yeovil because yeah. they got relegated to the conference. They didn't want him in the conference, and now he's an older shot who are in conference south or north. No, they're in the conference. They got relegated last year. No, they didn't. They, they got relegated, yeah, but then they mathematically stayed up because Gateshead went bust. Well, I didn't even yeah, know that. A lot of drama going down there. You have a look. It's, uh, is that true? Yeah, they're, they're in the Vanarama National. My um, goodness me, that Gateshead is went bust. sensational news. I, I know. My, my mate Joe, who's an older shot fan, he was over the moon because he went from being relegated to staying up because another club went bust. So. That is madness. <laughs> yeah, drama that. in the Vanarama. Vanarama drama. Let's, let's, let's get back to the Vanarama. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we might be soon. Where you stay up because gates there go bust. I can't believe that. All right, you ready for my overrated? Go for it. It's Christian Montano. Okay. What, what I think it? a lot of people overrated. Though? I think a lot of people say, "Oh, a lot of people underrated Montano. He was so important in those promotion, the, those promotion games." Mm. And I agree, he was he was important, but I don't think he was a superstar. I thought he was just a standard League Two winger in a very good side who got a lot of space because the team were very good, and a lot of his crosses went in the uh, got headed in by Taylor because Taylor was so good. Um, I don't think he was an outstanding winger. I just thought he was all right. But, but I, I people always seem to... Did, oh. did people say he was an outstanding wing, winger, though? Not at the time, but people now are like, oh, we, why do we ever get rid of Montana and bring in By- yeah. Byron Moore, who is worse? I, I remember on, on, on his day, he was very good. But, I mean, you can say that with a lot of wingers, that they're traditionally quite inconsistent, aren't they? Mm. But I remember there was, there was a time when, like, he was whipping in some lovely balls, like, just kind of... Any position, and he was, he was yeah. finding an outside here. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just think that a lot of people seem to think he's he was this talismanic winger who helped us get promoted and was very influential. And really, I just think he was all right. Mm. I mean, he had a great chant. Yes, he did. I can't remember mm. it. What was it? Chrissy Monty, baby. Oh yeah, good mm. chant. Good chant. That's not an overrated chant. That's no, yeah, underrated chant. Underrated. Mm. Agree. Cool. Um, ch- chants in general. And I know it's going off topic, but we need to pick that up. Jesus mm. Christ, and. I was meant to say this when I came on last time, but with the uh, Alfie Kilgore chant, mm, I um, I spoke to his mum. He doesn't drink, for God's sake. Yeah. So why are we saying he drinks the whiskey, drinks the vodka? Is it factually he, inaccurate? He teetotal, yeah. And mm. I'd hate factual inaccuracies. Straight from Alfie's mother. It was straight from Alfie's mother. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're I've, saying I've, Rory I've, met, Gaffney... I've, I've met his mother and I've met his uh, father now. I had an embrace with him after the uh, Plymouth game. You're saying Rory Gaffney doesn't shag people's wives? I shagged mine. <laughs> Was it just mine? <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note, gas On heads. that note. <laughs> it's about time to wrap up for this week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back 
in a couple of weeks with hopefully a bit more positive talk and less talk of fatigue as you're probably tired of us saying but that's the reason we're so bad um, but yeah until next time thanks for listening and up the gas up, up the, the gas, gas. <laughs>